Hey, we are in a message series called Different. And different is based where it's, it's all coming right out of a letter that a guy named Peter wrote to a bunch of Christians almost 2,000 years ago. What I love about it is that the wisdom and advice he gives them is still good for our lives. What he's speaking to them is actually the same message we need to hear. And so as, as I've been preparing these messages and preaching these messages and then going back and listening to these messages, the words of Peter are speaking into my life. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. And this is what Peter says as he's talking to these Christians. He says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in this world, to abstain from sinful desires, which are going and war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray together. Father, take these words that you have spoken through your follower, Peter, and apply them to our lives. Let us be different today because we have encountered you through the words you have spoken to us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, just making sure you're with me today. Just making sure you're with me. So I want to start off with a story. I think I've shared this story before. But, you know, a story is like anything good. It's worth bringing back up over and, and over again. When I, when I was younger... My dad would, uh, would bring us aside any time before we'd go off to go to summer camp or we'd go spend the night somewhere. And he'd get whoever was going around. It's usually a couple of us boys. I have, I have four brothers and one sister. He'd, he'd get us around and he'd give us a little speech. And he'd say, where you're going, there's going to be a lot of guys who are doing things they shouldn't be doing. Right? And all the parents could say amen to that. A lot of guys doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. A lot of people saying things they shouldn't be saying. And they're going to try to get you to do things that you shouldn't do. But you're not going to do them. You're going to lead the way because freedomans are leaders. And I grew up, every time I'd go to something, my dad would, would give us this little speech and say, freedomans are leaders. And so I grew up thinking that I was a leader, even though I wasn't. And I grew up thinking. And so when I found myself in a situation and, and I knew people were doing something that I shouldn't do, what did I do? I did the, the different thing because freedomans are leaders. Now, that, that was really helpful to me growing up because it, what it did is it spoke something into my life that, that may not, I might not have felt it at the time, but it allowed me to live in a certain way. And here's something I want you to hear today. Your understanding of who you are, it gives you what you do next. Your understanding of who you are produces your action. Who you understand yourself to be produces what you are capable of accomplishing. And this is why I'm saying all this, because Peter tells these Christians, here are some things that you are. You may not feel it, but here are some things that you are. What does Peter tell the Christians that they are? And here's a better question. What does Peter tell you and tell me that we are? Here's what he says. You are a chosen people. Now, now get that. God has chosen us, and you are one of God's chosen people. Now, now this word for people is actually the word, the Greek word, genos. It's where we get our word gene, you know, your gene, the biology of who you are. It wasn't just like, hey, a group of people. These were a people descended from the same line. Some translations say you are a chosen race. Now, now get this. 
When you enter into God's family, your race is no longer white. Your race is no longer black. Your race is no longer Asian American or anything else. Your race is chosen by God. You are part of God's family, and there is no room for racism. There is no room for distinction and separation along these lines in the kingdom of God. We are one in Jesus. So next time you're filling out a form, (laughs) U.S. government's going to want you to be white or black or or, or Asian or something else. No, you're going to say other, and you're going to write down chosen. (laughs) And you're going to confuse some bureaucrat who's taking up the census, but he's going to have to deal with it. He's going to be like, why do I have 100 of these, since, all from the same area that say chosen? You know, what is, and we're going to start a foundry race. <laughs> no, maybe not. But, but you are chosen. All right, and, and that's Peter wants the, these Christians to know. He wants you to know you're chosen by God. As soon as you are born again and enter God's family and give your life over to God, you're different. The, the, the primary distinction for your life is not anything physical. It is the chosen race you're a part of. And he goes on, you're a chosen race. What does he say next? You are a royal priesthood. Now, I like that. I like being royal. I'm not quite sure what that's supposed to mean for my life, but I like that idea. You're a royal priesthood. Here's what he's he's saying here. God looked at his people Israel back in the Old Testament, and he called them to be his priesthood. Now, what is a priesthood? If you are a priest, it's not just that you give sacrifices. It's not just that you, you know, kill animals and burn them up. That's a little weird. What it is is you are connecting God to men. You, you are in between. You are connecting people to God and God to people. When we are God's royal priesthood, get this, don't miss out on this. You are chosen by God and you are called by him to minister to other people, to connect other people to God. Too often we've done this over and over again in the church. We look up to whoever's got the microphone and say, that's, that's the person who's supposed to connect people to God. Let me tell you what, I, I get it. I get a solid 25 minutes on this mic each week. You have 168 hours in your week when God has called you to connect people to him. God has given you a little congregation of people and and they they don't dress up on Sundays and they probably don't even show up at church on Sundays, but they are in your life 168 hours a week and God has given those people to you to minister to, to serve. Now you can serve inside the church. We always need people to serve and to greet, to welcome and to do stuff behind the scenes and to help out with Foundry Kids, but God has made you a priest For the people around you, the people at your job, the people you see every day, you are a priest. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a priest. Yeah, you you might not look like it, but you are a priest. And this is so important, and we miss this so much, because we're not just priests. But get this, we're royal priests. We're priests of the king. That's why we're royal, and that's why we're priests, is because we belong to Jesus. So as you go out, look, a lot of of us, we struggle with this because we think, hey, I want to follow God, but I'm struggling already. How can I help other people? God is calling you, even in your struggles, to connect people to him. And and you've allowed, you've believed this lie that I I can't help somebody until I got my life fully together. God's calling you right now to, to help people in big ways, in small ways, to help them. So you're a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are set apart. The holy means being different God's way. It means being set apart. You are different. We are a whole group of people. We are a nation that is set apart for God. And then finally this, you're a people belonging to God. This word actually means like a people valuable. 
Like God has, God has acquired you and you weren't cheap. Right? You're, not, you're not the gift that you end up with when you're playing white elephant over Christmas time and you end up with that gift that every, no one else wanted. It's the half burnt candle. Right? And you don't want it and nobody wants it. You are not that to God. God's not like, oh great, another half burnt candle I'm going to put on my shelf and leave there. No, God has chosen you. You are valuable and, and you belong to him. And then it says this, once you were not a people, now you're a people of God. Once you would not receive mercy, now you receive mercy. You see, your identity has not always been this. You have not always been God's. You have not always been part of a chosen race. You have not always been a royal priesthood. But God has brought you into his family. As you trust him, he brings you into his family, and you're all these things. Now, I want to point out two quick things about this. The first is this. Your identity is from God. Notice about each one of these things. It's all connected back to God. You are chosen because God chose you. You're part of a royal priesthood because God is the king. You're a holy nation because God is holy and has set you apart. You belong to God because God actually valued you. So it all comes from God. Your identity cannot be based on anything else except for God. Here's the second thing. Your identity is only fully found in community. Now, don't miss out on this. A bunch of Yankees translated this Bible. If we had Southerners do it, he wouldn't have said, you are our kingdom of priests. He would have said, y'all. Or he probably would have said, all y'all are a kingdom of priests. All y'all are a holy nation. Because this is plural. There is no way to understand your identity. You can't say, oh, I'm a, I'm a royal priest. No, we're a royal priesthood. You're not, you're not a holy one-person nation, you're a holy nation. There, you cannot have a race of people if it's just you. That's called delusion. All right, you can't have that. But so often, when it comes to our relationship with God, we want to we go it alone. We want to do it by ourselves. I want to do it by myself a lot of the time. Because it's, it's awkward and hard sometimes to insert yourself with other people. And sometimes it hurts. And sometimes when you've been hurt, you just want to pull away. And look, it's easier to, on a Sunday morning to sleep in and stay in bed by myself than to come here. It's just easier. But God has called me into a community. He's called you into a community. You can't do it by yourself. So if you're finding yourself right now deeply dissatisfied with life, or you're finding yourself over and over again spiritually powerless, the key is not isolation. The key is being joined together with God's people. Your identity can only be found with God's people from God. So I guess if I had to sum all this up, it would be this. You are a big deal. Come on, who needed to hear that today? Somebody needed to hear that. You're a big deal. Turn to this person next to you and say, you're a big deal. I mean, you are a big deal. You are part of God's chosen people. You are part of the, the, the royal priesthood. You are part of the holy nation. You're a big deal. And it matters. And it's real. Now, this is like a coach's speech. You guys ever been at halftime and, and you're down a little bit? Or maybe a pregame speech? You played on a football team. I guess volleyball teams do this sort of thing, too. I've, I've never really seen the locker rooms at a volleyball game. But I guess they do this sort of thing. And I just imagine Peter is, is the coach. And he, he says, you're a chosen people. Come on. Come on, who's with me? You're a chosen people. You guys never been in a locker room, have you? You're supposed to go like, yeah, coach, yeah. You're a royal priesthood. Come on, who's with me right now? You are a holy nation. And you, you are a people belonging to God. All right, once you were, you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had 
not receive mercy now. You have received mercy. Come on. Foundry on three. One, two, three. Foundry. And let's go storm the gates to hell. Let's go make Satan quiver in his boots. Come on. Who's with me still? Let's go knock the heads off some demons. All right. And so that's, that's what I expect. That actually worked out better than I thought. I'm going to just come in every day and be like, I, I'm a coach in here. Man, that's, that's, the, that's the, the preaching of my dreams right there. So, so this is what I expect. I went on and said, you're, you're going to storm the gates of hell. You're going to knock some heads off some demons. And it was good. The thing is, Peter doesn't say that part. Like, if I'm a coach, I'm, you know, when you're a coach, you've got to tell people stuff that's not true to make them, like, think they can do it, and then they do it, and you're like, oh, that was true. You, you lie to people to make them better. You know, it's one of those weird things that's probably not right, but coaches do. Uh, and so that's, that's what I expect Peter to do. But he says this. He says all that other stuff about you're a big deal. And what does he say next? Two things. Don't do evil. Do good. You know, well, thanks, Peter. Thanks a lot. I learned that in Sunday school, Peter. All right, here's what he's saying. You're a big deal with a small job. You matter to God, but he's got a small job. Ainsley, help me out here. I'm going to try this. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, man. I'm left-handed, so catching my right hand is, is impressive, y'all. All right, you guys, seen, you guys seen The Karate Kid. All right. I've never seen the original. I asked somebody this week, is it, is it okay if I do a sermon illustration from The Karate Kid without having seen it? He said no. So I'm doing it anyway. All right. What, what's, what's the thing everybody knows? Yeah, now I should have a cloth and some wax and everything, but I don't. So we're going to go wax on, wax off. Come on, say it with me. Wax on, wax off. Wax off, wax on. I mean, this is tough. Okay, so wax on, wax off. And we all know that's the big thing because it's this little stuff and he doesn't get it. But it's those little things that prepare him to win the match. It's those little things. He doesn't realize what's happening. It's the same thing in our lives. It's this. It's abstain from evil do good. It's little. It's really small. It's just abstain from evil. Like, don't kill somebody this week, okay? Don't kill somebody. Be nice to people. You can do it. Don't lie, but buy somebody a coffee instead. It's little, and you're like, God, how, how does this? I'm a royal priest, God. I mean, I'm part of a, a holy nation, God. Did you forget what you just said to me? And God says, no, I, I remember. You see, you're a big deal, but you got, you got a small job. You got a small job. You're a big deal with a small job. The problem is we flip these in our minds sometimes. And we start to think, I'm nothing, but I've got to do everything. I don't matter, but if I'm not perfect, I've failed. And what God says is, no, you are, by nature, by virtue of being connected to me, you are a big deal you just got a small job to do. The first thing is abstain from evil. Now, if maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus right now, or, or you have been for a while, you just hear this and you hear, here's the list of things you're not supposed to do. But it's so much bigger than that, abstaining from evil. Look, I don't have many fears in this life, but I hate public bathrooms. Is anybody with me here? I just hate public bathrooms. And look, I'm, I'm glad they're there because it'd be even worse if they weren't. But when I go into a public bathroom, I will not touch anything. I mean, I'm doing like, I'm doing a karate kick to try to, try to flush the urinal. You know, it's like one of these things. You guys, are you guys here with me? You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, I won't touch anything. I feel bad for the poor soul 
who, who doesn't know this and flushes the toilet with his hand. Because my, my foot's been up there, okay? And I won't touch stuff. I use my elbows for everything in a public bathroom. I mean, I will like, I have growing little hands right now for my elbows that help me turn on the water and grab stuff because I won't touch anything with my hands. When I'm going out, I've run into a couple places recently, Whole Foods. If you've got to use the bathroom, go to Whole Foods because they have the little foot things on the doors. You can open the doors with your feet without doing one of these things, you know, one of these awkward karate kid things. I hate public bathrooms. Why do I hate them? Because people are nasty. People are disgusting. I'd rather walk through a pigsty than walk through a public restroom. Because I feel like for some reason pigs are not as nasty as human beings. I hate them. So, so why? I'm, I'm afraid of the germs. I'm afraid of what people might have done or touched or been. I don't want to be around that. So I'm, I'm very careful. All right? this, our life is like that. The call to abstain from evil is not a call to be a legalist or be a Pharisee, or be a holier-than-thou person. It's just a call to be a healthy person who abstains from the negative things, who holds themselves back from what's going to harm you. And somebody here, look, you're looking down at the Bible, and you're seeing these things it says not to do. Those are meant to be a guide, to show you how to live. But your life as you're following God, as you're abstaining from evil, should go so much deeper than that. Just because the Bible doesn't directly prohibit you to waste all your time on social media doesn't mean that you shouldn't abstain from the evil of never do anything good with your time. Right? There are times that the Bible is not a list of do's. It's a guideline. It's showing us the path and then trusting the Holy Spirit to guide us along that path and even go deeper. Some of you have been following the Lord for a long time. And you've been doing a good job at, at checking all the boxes in Scripture. But the Lord's calling you to go deeper. Even something that may not be referenced here, but you know it's going to be harmful for your life or for your family's life. He's calling you to abstain from it. Not because he wants to tell you what to do, because he wants you to be a healthy person who can love other people and love him like you should. And then get this. You're not just abstaining from evil. You're actually abstaining from the evil desires which war against your soul. In other words, there are these desires, and, and they're not just there to like, hey, here's one option, here's the other option. It's like destruction in Jesus, right? And, and on this side, that word, that word war, they're warring against your soul, it was actually used in the account of like the 300 Spartans, right? the movie 300, when they fight off all these Persians, and like this is Sparta, and kick people and all that. This is the word that's used in that account. In other words, you've got Leonidas with 300 men trying to take you down when your sinful desires come at you. And so often we just treat it like, oh, I mean, I guess, which way am I going to go? No, this is a war for who you are. Are you going to be a healthy person who loves people? Or are you going to be a person who gives in to evil desires? And then the second thing is this. So the first is abstain from desires. The second thing, I love this, is live such a good life among the pagans that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they're going to see your good deeds and they're going to end up glorifying God on the day he visits us. Now get this, this is funny to me. Back when Peter was writing this, the people who weren't Christians, they're pagans. That's not an insult. They literally worship false gods. They're pagans. And, and the pagans actually accused the Christians of some whack stuff. For instance, they heard that Christians did this thing where they ate the body and blood of somebody. So they thought, literally thought Christians were cannibals. Like when they did communion and they said, like, this is the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus with, with bread and wine, they thought that they were like eating people in there. So, so this, this, whole, this whole story got passed around like, hey, Christians eat people. Not good PR. Literally, Christians were writing books saying, hey, we don't eat people. Hey, we will not eat you. 
That's weird, okay? But it's what they were dealing with. And then there's this other thing passed around is they notice all Christians would call each other brother and sister because they're a family. And they also noticed that Christians would celebrate communion and they'd call it a love feast, right? The love of God and love for each other. And they thought, get this, I'm not making this up. They thought that Christians were practicing incest because they thought they were brothers and sisters in a love feast. And back then they were so perverted. They had no understanding of how you could love someone apart from sex. And so they just had this understanding of a love feast being a weird orgy. And so they're accusing Christians of being cannibals who have incestuous orgies. And Peter's like, yo, you got to fight back against that somehow. Like, that's not good. How do you do it? Just be good. Like, be so ridiculously good that even though they think you're a cannibal and have incestuous orgies, they still think you're cool. Like, how good is that? Well, how, how many cups of coffee do I have to buy somebody before they're okay with me being a cannibal? It's like, oh, no, I get you're a cannibal, but that's like the 70th cup of coffee you bought me, man. You're pretty cool. Like, what do you have to do to overcome that? And that's, that's what he says. Be so good that even the people on the outside who are like, man, I don't like Christians. I don't even like you. But I can't deny that, that you're an awesome person. You know what? I'm going to start following the same God you follow. And that's, that's what Peter's saying to us right here. Abstain from evil. And then just be so good that people see something different about you. Tanya speaks. Tanya, wave your hand right now so people know who you are. I'm not calling you out. You were falling asleep. I'm not calling you out, though. Uh, Tanya's right. I want to tell a story about Tanya. She was at a, this is, it starts off sad, but it gets great. Uh, Tanya was at a funeral this week, and she has had several friends from high school die recently, and just a lot of them together. So she's been going to a lot of funerals. She walked into this funeral, and several teenage kids, right, of the woman who died, and, and the, the husband's there, and it's, it's the visitation, right, and they're standing by the casket. And Tanya walks up and does what you do. You don't really know what to say, but you just, you just say what you can. You pay your respects. And the husband sees her and says, Tanya, now correct me if I'm wrong here, the person who's supposed to leave the funeral didn't show up. Can you do it? What? Like, how do you respond to that? Like, oh, yeah, I've got an order of service in my back pocket. Let me do this. No, Tanya has never done this before. But because she was in this situation, wanted to honor her friend and serve her friend's family, she did it. She got up front. Now, Tanya's a talker. You can't get Tanya to, Tanya to stop talking. But she said when you get in front at a funeral, suddenly you can't just start chatting away. It's different. And so Tanya, get this. She was a priest this week. She did good. She ministered to this family in such a hard time by getting up and leading this funeral. Now, um, imagine being that, that husband and your wife has just died way too young and you've got these two kids and then the person who's supposed to do the funeral doesn't show up. And, and you're trying to figure out what to do and then you see Tanya coming in and you just, you're like, hey, I'm going to ask her. That's doing good. Now, Tanya, I'm guessing if we heard a recording of it, you probably didn't do an awesome job. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I'm just being honest. That's your first funeral and you didn't come prepared and it was probably not great. But it ministered because they all came up to you afterwards and said, that was great. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. You get this. It's not about how good you do good. It's about the fact that you're doing good to people and you're loving people. And y'all, it's the small stuff. It's, it's when your, your husband or wife is just being the biggest jerk that day. And you know it and they know it and they know you know it. And you honor them. And you only speak good about them, even when they deserve to be trashed behind their back. People notice that stuff. 
It's when you're on social media and there's a big, I don't know, national election going on. And, and you have an opportunity because you just see that, that guy who's just, he's an idiot posting stuff. And that guy might be me. I right, see that idiot posting stuff. And you just want to fire back and let him or her know what big idiots they are. It's instead responding in love. Maybe arranging to buy him a cup of coffee to talk about views on life and views on politics. It's when you see somebody who just needs 50 bucks to make it to the end of the month. It's not about having a million dollars to give away. It's about having 50 bucks that you could have spent going out to eat this month and giving it up because you have a friend who's in need. It's the little stuff. It's about being in a coffee shop and seeing somebody. It's about being at your work and seeing somebody and thinking that person, they could really use a church community and inviting them. I was, I was in a coffee shop this week and saw the barista. And of course, I'd already invited him to church because I just, I do that as much as I can. I invited him to church. But he's like, dude, hey, you're from that church, right? I had some girl come in this week and give me an invite card. I was like, who was it? He's like, I don't know. She just handed it to me and left. I was like, right on, right on. That's awesome. And I said, if you get a third one, I'm going to expect you to come. So you guys, don't disappoint this week. Do good. Invite people. I'm not going to tell you which, which coffee shop he was at, because I want you guys to go to all the coffee shops and invite all the baristas. <laughs> but invite people. And it's just it's that small stuff. And sometimes that little thing of doing good, it's so good. And people see it's so good. They end up following God. You're a big deal. You just got a small job. It's a this week kind of job. It's a today kind of job. It's loving people well. It's doing good. It's being so good that the people who think you're a cannibal decide to follow God. It's, it's this. It's, it's being so good that you abstain from evil and you do good. You abstain from evil and you do good. And it's that little thing, the wax on, the wax off of our lives that help us live in to really be what it means when Peter says you're a kingdom of priests, you're a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You're a chosen people because you're a big deal with a small job. What is it for you this week? What would it be for you this week? What do you got to change this week to help you live into what God's calling you to do? Is it how you treat your family, how you treat your coworkers? Is it just being more vocal about loving people? Like, a lot of times we care about people, we just never tell them that. Maybe it's writing a note to somebody. Maybe it's taking a cup of coffee to somebody. Here's the thing. It's not ultimately about what you do, though. It's about who you are. Are you one of God's chosen people? Are you, are you someone who belongs to God? Because if you are all that, then your job is small. If you're not all that, then you can do all the good you want, the Bible teaches us. But it doesn't amount to anything. Because it's about being God's, not about what we can do. So if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, let me just say to you, this week, abstain from evil, do good. Abstain from evil, do good until you're sick of it. And you don't understand why you're doing it. And that's when you'll see how God's using you. If you're here today and honestly, just between you and God, you're not a follower of Jesus. I mean, you might, you might believe God exists, believe Jesus exists. And look, all the good you do does not win God's favor. The Bible's clear on that. Everything good we do, you could buy a million cups of coffee, give all your money away, but if you don't have the right kind of love for God and for other people that only comes through a relationship with him, everything you do does not add up. And the, here's the incredible thing. Scripture says this, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day of your salvation. All it takes is just looking to God and saying, God, I need you. 
I know I've messed up. I know I've screwed up. We all know that. Don't try to hide it. I've messed up, God. I've sinned, and I need a Savior. And the only Savior Scripture teaches is Jesus, who died for your sins, died for mine, was put in a tomb. It was all over, but the story kept going in the sequel because he rose from the dead. And the promise for all of us is if we just trust in that sacrifice he made, then we become one of God's people. Let's pray right now. Father, thank you for this message you have given us. Thank you so much for calling us to be your people, each one of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we are. And God, right now, I I just pray for the Christians who are here, that you would be with them, the, the followers who are already following after you. Help them to abstain from evil, to do good, to be big deals with small jobs. Help them, God. And if you're here today, I don't want to push past this moment. If you're here today and you you are not following Jesus and you're dissatisfied with life, or maybe you're just satisfied with life, but you know you're not living like God wants you to live, today is the day of your salvation. We've all got our heads bowed together. Is there anyone who's who's just willing to slip up a hand just just to show me and God, hey, I want to make a change. i got to make a change. I can't stay where I'm at. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Can we all pray out loud together, whether or not you're praying this because you want to follow God, whether or not you're praying this just because you're here. We're all a family together, so let's pray. Repeat this prayer after me. God, I need you. I can't do it on my own. I put my trust in you. Save me from my sins. Keep me from evil. Help me to do good. I put my trust in your son, Jesus, who died for my sins, And has set me free. I'm going to live in that new life. Starting today. In your name Jesus. Amen.